Hello, I'm Edward de Souza, and in 1965, I was in an episode of Doctor Who called Mission to the Unknown. I played Mark Corey, the hero, who is trying to stop a Dalek plan to conquer the universe. Sadly, this episode doesn't exist in the BBC's archives, but the staff, students and graduates of the University of Central Lancashire have worked tirelessly to recreate this episode and bring it back to life. Well, I hope you enjoy it, but beware the bargains. Welcome to Who Worth Watching, where we're going through this iconic show from the beginning to determine what's still worth watching for a modern audience. Today, we're discussing the sort of lost single-episode story, Mission to the Unknown. I'm your host, and I, for one, am proud to join the great alliance of evil aliens from the outer fringes of the galaxy. <laughs> My co-host is Guy, who is a nice guy who's good with a wrench, so I suspect that means he's not likely to make it to the end of the episode. Yeah. Might as well be wearing a red shirt, Guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, hello, Guy. Hello, Ron. So... This is a really weird episode. You know, it's one episode story and it's sort of the answer to the riddle. What's a Doctor Who story without Doctor Who? And what's a reconstruction that isn't a reconstruction? <laughs> <laughs> to start with, this is a one episode story because Verity Lambert, she had already left by the time this was being done. But, you know, she lays out the schedule before she goes. And she wanted to give the cast uh, an extra week of vacation. So they had this spot to do something with. So they asked Terry Nation to write a story. And so there are two purposes to this story. It is a prequel to an upcoming story, not the next one, but an upcoming one. It's actually a 12 episode Dalek story, which, mm -hmm. which is going to be a reconstruction. And, and we'll talk about that. A bit. Mm -hmm. Second, Terry Nation wanted to create a standalone Dalek series, I think actually in the U.S. And so mm. he was sort of using this as a pilot for that. <laughs> yeah, that could be a hard sell. I mean, uh, I think, what would this, this have been 1966, maybe 65, maybe. something like that. 68 or something. Yes. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, they, uh, I don't know, U.S. TV was pretty sophisticated by then. And, uh, well, Doctor Who is fun. It's, uh. You know, the production values aren't always the most uh, well, I, astonishing. I assume, but I, I don't know the details on this, but I assume it would have been a U.S. production and therefore, uh, you know, but, and mm -hmm. that, that was something, you know, Star Trek, I think was out by now and Star Trek definitely had much higher production values. Uh, oh yeah. Overall, uh, you know, yeah. Now the prisoner, that was a British show, right? So I wonder why that had such higher production values. Well, first, it's not the BBC. Well. And so that may have, you know, made a difference. And, you know, The Prisoner was a prestige series, right, with a with a famous star. Mm. So I think they probably were willing. And, and, you know, it was, even though they were trying to get it to be ongoing, it was a limited thing. So they could put money into each episode. Where, of course, Doctor Who, you want, they want to have, it's a children's, so, <laughs> and the budgeting for a children's show is different than, say, the budget for a drama. We oh, talked yeah. about way when we started the podcast, right? One of the reasons the special effects can be so bad is because they had the same budget as any other children's show, and 
you know, when you have a phone, it can't just be a phone. You have to create a new kind of phone, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, everything is um, is brand new because it's science fiction, and they just didn't have the budget to do that. Right. So to start out with, that whole thing is the reason there is no Doctor Who or any of the crew in this story. That's they were all on vacation, and it is a lost story. And it has been my contention from the beginning that I didn't want to watch reconstructions because reconstructions are usually just photographs and I, and I kind of have a aversion to that, but you've kind of talked me into trying them. <laughs> because, and I, I think it, it makes some sense. First of all, we are hitting, as I said, a season where just, you miss a whole lot, right? You whole uh, companions appear and disappear. And, and if you, if you don't, know what's going on in the interim stories. You don't know what happened to them. And a whole lot of the season is missing. And also, I mean, the reality is, in a lot of ways, uh, you know, the branding of our podcast is a bit of a lie, right? <laughs> We're telling you if it's worth watching something. But the reality, and, and one of the reasons that we actually walk through in detail the, the TV shows and movies that we cover is that we want to let people be able to experience them, even if they don't actually want to go and watch it or go back and rewatch it. Mm. Right. And I realized, well, then that fits all the more for the missing stories because it means you can experience the story listening to this episode and almost all other Dr. Who podcasts, they're just going to talk about the story. They're not actually going to walk you through the story. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of a unique little thing we do. Yeah. At least we hit the high points or try to. So I think it makes sense. Now, you may end up regretting this, especially since, you know, well, the next week will all, the next story will also be a reconstruction. But once we hit that 12 episode Dalek reconstruction, you may, <laughs> you may be a crying uncle there. <laughs> we'll yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Well, like I, like I said before, I, uh, I think, you know, as long as it has audio or some kind of dialogue at, at the, at, in the, in the worst case, it's like listening to a radio show, which uh, mm -hmm. is certainly can can be enjoyable so yeah i'm, I'm willing to give it a step and a lot of times there are actually kind of radio shows of these where they do connect them together sometimes the reconstructions are like that often they had one of the actors like peter Purvis, who played steven would do a lot of these where he would kind of do he would maybe describe some of what you weren't seeing huh. uh, on screen and would do connections between the episodes and stuff oh cool so something I had no idea of, but I looked into it because we decided to start watching reconstructions and I thought we would need to watch a reconstruction for this story. And it turns out we don't, or at least we sort of don't because just two years ago, the university of central Lancashire has their film program. They had the students recreate this episode from scratch, building it exactly as a doctor who episode was filmed at the time. Mm-hmm. And it was a perfect one for them to do, right? Because, I mean, these are 20-something-year-olds, so you don't want one of them playing William Hartnell. Or, you know. <laughs> Could be hard, yeah. Yeah, that, it would be a little embarrassing, I think. So it's perfect for them to choose an episode where they don't have to replicate any of the existing characters. It's all brand-new characters. And they went way out of their way to be authentic. So, I mean, since they're in London, they were able to ask people across the country who were collectors who had Daleks, either reconstructions or actual Dalek models to donate them for the, you know, use in the show. Mm. So the Daleks you see are actual Daleks. They had Nicholas Briggs, who does 
the modern voice of the dollars come in to do it. So that's why the dollars sound like actual dollars. Mm -hmm. So they really went all out to make it a good production. And, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about what we think about that as we go along, but it means we get to actually watch a live action presentation of this instead of a bunch of photos. Mm -hmm. And not only did they film it in the style of a Dr. episode at the time, they actually kind of used the same schedule. So, you know, Dr. Who, they would go basically Monday through Thursday rehearsing. And then on Friday, they would film it. And that's basically what they did hmm. for this. So we shall see how it goes. Yeah. Okay, on to Mission to the Unknown. And I'll have to say, yeah, actually, I'll say this story has a, a couple of Terry Nation things, but, but for the most part, he wasn't actually repeating his usual things. But the title is, is a Terry Nation thing, right? I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> what is the mission to the unknown? I don't know. <laughs> well, the planet's the unknown. I guess. They went on a mission there and they got stuck. So we see a classic Doctor Who jungle and pan across a uniformed man lying on the ground. Don't know if he's dead or unconscious. And some kind of bird or creature howls. And its eyes suddenly open and he sits up. And then he stands up. He's kind of robot-like. Mm -hmm. And he pulls his gun out of his holster and says, I remember now, I must kill, must kill, must kill. And then he kind of walks <laughs> off screen. The student who's doing it here, we saw this scene at the end of the last episode. Mm -hmm. And of course it was a different guy, mm -hmm. but the student here has a beard and a mustache. So it's, it's, it's a little different looking and it's, it's a little uncommon for the people we see in Doctor Who. In these seasons of Doctor Who, uh, the, the only ones I've seen so far, but uh, mostly you don't see a lot of beards in it unless, uh, like, I think Stephen had grown a beard from being Yeah, but I think the marooned. Vikings had some beards, you know. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, people who are playing mm. contemporary characters, you usually yeah, don't see point. that. Um, but you know, it's a, it's a good little indicator of a bad guy because, you know, beards sort of imply to people that you're hiding <laughs> something. Yeah. Now, tell me if I'm wrong. I did not go back and check, but my memory of the end of, of this scene from the last story was that he looked at his arm and there was like a glowing line on his arm. He did in the, uh, in that scene at the end of the last episode, uh, yeah, there they was don't do this, that in this. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't notice that in this one. You're, you're right. They, they seem to have left that out. It would be a tricky effect to. Recreate. I mean, they could be done. I'm sure they could do it. Well, it's, yeah, it's totally doable and there's a lot of ways they could do it, but I'm going to guess they just felt like actually that didn't fit into any of the rest of the story. Cause it's, it, it would make sense if every time someone else gets to become the way this guy is, as we'll see, they also had that happen, but it doesn't happen to anybody else. Right. So yeah, at least not in this episode in the yeah, original, true. perhaps it did. I don't know. Good point. We don't know. Yeah. So <laughs> that we won't hold it against them too much. No, no, no. <laughs> maybe it, maybe it drops, you know, half of, maybe it's an A minus instead of an A plus. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I may as well mention now that I think overall they did a, they did a terrific job. I mean, this is very, I, I mentioned the guy's beard specifically because aside from that, it's really about the only thing that isn't almost note perfect. You know, I mean, they really did a good job, I think. 
Yeah, in fact, one of the characters we're about to meet, the the guy who played him, introduces the show. Oh, that was the guy who did the introduction. Oh, that no, we're... not not this. This character was not. It's it's Corey who's coming up. The... Oh, okay, okay. But that introduction is worth. Uh, yeah, we 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 should mention that as well because I I got a kick out of him. He seemed to be having fun with it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he's he plays the main character in the story that we're about to meet. And now he's probably, you know, 70 or 80 or something. Yeah. You know, he, he clearly seemed to be unhappy that the story had been lost and, and happy that it had been recreated. And, and if you watch the making of, and I'll put links to both this YouTube video and the making of in the notes. And he went and visited them while they were making it. And one of the things I was going to mention is that I was accepting this so much as a Doctor Who episode that I was thinking, oh, yeah, he does look like his younger self. (laughs) 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 Sort of forgetting that, no, it actually is, you know, a different actor. (laughs) (laughs) Although they did choose someone who happened, maybe just coincidentally, did happen to kind of look like him. Mm -hmm. So we now switch to two people working on the guts of a rocket, which is malfunctioned. And they hear animals coming closer. One of the men is Corey, the person we've been talking about, so the main character. But apparently he's been given control of this mission. The other guy is the captain, and he doesn't appreciate Corey taking advantage of his role to order him around. He doesn't have much choice in the matter. They want to get the ship repaired in time so they can rendezvous with a freighter. And the repairs are going to take a while, so Corey decides to look around. He wonders where Garby is, so presumably that's the guy we saw at the beginning. Yeah. And we see Garvey sneaking up on the ship, repeating, kill, kill. (laughs) Corey heads into the spaceship, and then Garvey comes up behind the captain with a gun, and he's about to shoot. But Corey is behind him and shoots first. And this part is really bizarre. I'm curious what you think about it. The captain then criticizes Corey quite harshly for not giving Garvey a chance and just shooting him down like an animal. <laughs> like, a chance to do what? He was about one second away from killing you. Yeah, I, uh, I got the impression that at that point, uh, the captain didn't realize either that Garvey had been behind him or had been pointing a gun at him, but I'm not sure. You know, it happens yeah, pretty fast. Yeah, are we supposed to wait another 30 seconds in case he decides to have a change of heart? <laughs> So Corey points out that it was either the captain or Darby. And the captain is so upset, he rushes Corey, and Corey punches him out with one punch. <laughs> yeah, and the and the, the punch, that's a, not a big thing, but but as punches go, it's not the most convincing one in the world. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think they had the budget for, you know, having a stunt person there and, you know, a coordinator or whatever. And, yeah. You know, that, so. Corey checks Darby's body and he pulls a big thorn looking thingy from his neck and he says it's a Varga thorn. He tells the captain not to prick himself with it as he'll end up the way Garvey is and Corey will have to kill him. And this totally won't happen. <laughs> they go into the ship and once they're gone, we see Garvey's hand twitch and flip over because, you know, of course, all bodies left alone must still be alive. <laughs> In the ship, Corey decides to tell the captain the truth about himself. He's part of the space security service. With a license to kill. So I wonder if they took that from James Bond or if that was like, if it, maybe it was an actual term that was used or, or something that predated James Bond. I didn't think to do any research on that, but it occurred to me. Good question. 
So in addition to having a license to kill, he also has the right to draft anyone into service, which he then does to the captain. And the captain wants to know what's going on. And Corey says, I suppose you've heard of the Daleks. The captain says, they tried to invade Earth 1,000 years ago. Hey, we saw that episode. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's referring to the one where they showed up in New York City and, and or it could be. No, no, that was the chase. Uh, they're talking Dalek invasion of Earth, you know, when they were chasing them around Trafalgar Square and all that. Oh, okay. So this would have been 1,000 years after, like, 2,400 or 2,500 yeah. or whatever. So. <laughs> but. It's not worth keeping track of because <laughs> it's not really going to work out if you try to keep track of all these numbers. <laughs> Since then, they haven't heard from them much, but the Daleks have been off taking over dozens of planets elsewhere. And recently, a Dalek ship has been seen in the area, and it's believed they're planning another invasion. With N.C. Garvey still on the ground, now he's kind of shaking like crazy. He gets up and spreads out his arms. He turns into a weird white fluffy tree thing with Varga thorns hanging off of it. I actually like the look of this. It's like, uh, I mean, they could have just stuck a bunch of cotton balls together, but, but it's got a little more shape than that. You know, it's got some contours, you know, sort of, sort of like a cross between a sheep and a Christmas tree or, you know, something <laughs> like that. It's, uh, yeah, I was thinking it was a holiday thing. <laughs> They're in the ship. They're trying to contact others by radio, but having no luck. And the captain says they have no chance of repairing the ship. Corey believes that this being the most dangerous planet in the universe, which all civilizations avoid, the Daleks may be using it to prepare for whatever they're planning. And he's telling the captain all this now because of the Varda thorn they found. The only place in the universe that Vardas grow naturally is the Dalek home planet Skaro. Now he says they grow naturally, and this is going to be contradicted a little <laughs> right um it's also interesting that that if this is the planet we'll show all the civilizations avoid it's presumably bad even without the vargas based on what we find right, out later right although yeah we don't really see anything bad besides that but okay yeah. <laughs> that's a good point and now we're in the dalek ship did you catch that this was a miniature i did not no Neither did I. They did a really good job. Now, in the actual filming, they had a full-size set, but they just didn't have the budget. And so they did the set as a miniature. And then whenever they would show you a Dalek, it was an actual full-size Dalek, right? You yeah. know, just an insert shot. Um, really well done. And they had, as you see it in the making of, the Daleks around the miniature, they're using like little magnets underneath to move them around. <laughs> huh. Yeah, I, I didn't spot that at all. I'm be done. And uh, the Daleks have located the enemy ship on the planet, and the Supreme Dalek says it must be destroyed, destroyed, destroyed. I do think um, the voices for the Daleks were very well done. I mean, I was I was wondering if they just took recordings from the original show because you know they they do that whatever machine processing it is that yeah. they do on it and it's called like a ring buffer or something you know? yeah and they and they've got the same int intonation i can't do it but you know just the way that we've seen the daleks say things in other episodes they say them the same way here security control position of alien spacecraft located our patrol will reach it shortly the ship and its occupants must be totally destroyed! 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 
they got Nicholas Briggs to do it and he does all the modern Dalek voices. So he's had literally decades of experience hmm. doing this. Um, now, and, and so it was really smart of them to get him. Now, do you know if he did the 1960s Daleks? Because no, they... no, he wasn't, he wasn't around then or he, you know, we're not old enough then, but he's just been doing it so long that he's really good at it. He, he must be, he must have based his impersonation or, or his Dalek voices on the original Dalek voices, because it, it sounds like the, you know, season one and season two Daleks to me, it sounds mm -hmm. just very convincing. So it's good. Yep, I totally agree. And, and I think it was really smart of them to do that because, you know, if they'd had one of their guys do it, it just wouldn't have been the same. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, it depends on how much, you know, how much talent they got, I guess. I mean, there's gotta be people out there who can do it, but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's really spot on, I think. So Corey and the captain are working on the ship again. And actually it seemed to be they're working on the ship, but because Corey had, or the captain already said they couldn't repair the ship, it turns out in fact, they're doing something new. They're working on a, um, on a capsule that they'll send up that will broadcast a message. And Corey pulls out a gun as he notices Varda plants approaching. They move by pulling themselves along with their roots. So they move very slowly. And the captain tries to rationalize that maybe the barber plants don't mean that Daleks are here. Maybe they grow natively. But Corey says they were developed in a Dalek lab, and that's impossible. So again, this kind of contradicts <laughs> the earlier statement that, that Scaro is the only place that they grow naturally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe they took natural plants and mutated them or something. I don't know. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, the, it, these, these plants are funny too, because they get right up to the ship. I mean, they're like, like five or 10 feet away from these guys. And, and yet we can see them working on these repairs and talking to each other. And the Vargas are just kind of standing there, just, just su right. supervising. <laughs> yeah. Corey insists that the captain keep working. Meanwhile, they don't know that Daleks are approaching and they plan to close in on the ship from two directions. The captain says, you know, the capsule's all done. They just need to record a message on the, you know, reel-to-reel -reel tape recorder and connect the recorder to the rocket and it'll go up and, and broadcast it. Yeah, the, uh, the recorder is kind of neat because it is, I mean, it's, it's a prop recorder. It's not like an actual reel-to-reel -reel recorder, but you can see they've designed it to be a more compact version of a reel to reel recorder, you know, which is ironic because by the 1970s, they were using cassette tapes that were much right. smaller. And then right. of course, now we just put it on an MP3. <laughs> well, and that's, you know, referring back to James Bond, one of the funny things about watching early James Bond is some of the gadgets he has that are super futuristic. You know, we now ha all have in our pocket, right? The little <laughs> camera. And the, you know, yeah. You know. And then lights flash across their faces along with a roaring sound and off screen, the biggest spaceship they've ever seen has come through the atmosphere. Corey says something big is going on and with the Daleks involved, the whole galaxy is in danger. One of the other things here, and I think there's just a lot of laziness on Terra Nation's part, surprise, you know, we've already seen these little contradictions, <laughs> but throughout this, you know, the 20 some minutes of this story, he manages to misuse the word galaxy about three different ways. <laughs> <laughs> Like he treats the solar system as a galaxy. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think, I think also Corey says something about like, he recognizes this ship as a Dalek ship. 
Um, no, actually, this is not a dollar chip. Zing, it's or, one of the other aliens. Or, really? Oh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe I'm thinking of when he was talking earlier about the one that was spotted elsewhere. Yeah. And they, yeah, that's when he said it was recognized as a dollar chip. No, well, I think the okay. whole point here is this is, and the reason he's saying something big is going on is because it's not Daleks. Ah, yeah. And the Daleks see the ship come in and they say it's from Garon. And this is the beginning of the Great Alliance. <laughs> Which I thought it was one of the more interesting things in the episode so far, because you don't think of Daleks as the type to make allies. Yeah, and I'm sure they're going to be very trustable allies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no backstabbing going on here. So the captain is finishing up the capsule, and they just need to do the recording. But then Corey sees something moving in the forest, presumably a Dalek. So the captain picks up the capsule, and they head off. And they accidentally come up right behind a dollar and duck away. And they actually talk to each other and everything. And the dollar is literally one foot away, but it doesn't <laughs> hear them. So it's kind of amusing. And the Daleks reach the spaceship and realize that it's abandoned. So uh, being Daleks, they then shoot at the ship in white old vision to destroy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they use their old uh, negative effect when they, you know, fire their little arm plunger gun things. Although it's not, I, I don't think it's quite the same effect that they usually use in the, sh in the show, but it's, it's very yeah, similar. It's not exactly yeah. the same, but it's pretty close. Yeah. The Corey and the captain hear the destruction. Corey grabs the captain's shoulder and tell him to come on. In the process, he sort of pushes his hand into a Varga thorn <laughs> <laughs> and the captain doesn't say anything, but tries to suck out the venom. Yeah. Well, I'd, then, I'd probably. Yeah. I'd be tempted to do the same. I mean, the, the, the right thing to do would be to mention it right off in case the other guy has some ideas about what to, what to do to fix it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of which, you know, I saw something recently about all the myths about, you know, how to deal with a snake bite, you know, you like do a cross on it with a knife and suck it out and all this. And apparently mm -hmm. all that is DS and we'll just make things worse. Huh. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I didn't really look into what you're actually supposed to do, but <laughs> the Daleks are now seeking out the crew and we're now on some Dalek vessel with a map of the solar system on a table in the middle. It's, it's our solar system. Again, they keep referring to it as the galaxy, <laughs> which is <laughs> slightly larger than our solar system. And the table is surrounded by wacky aliens. It's, you know, sort of like uh, the Star Wars cantina kind of scene. Yeah, although only one of them, I think, has an actual face that you get to see. So at first, I thought they were all supposed to be representatives of the same alien race because they had mentioned the ship was coming from, what was it, Garon? Uh, yeah. So I figured, oh, the Daleks are making alliances with this one other civilization. But actually, each of these aliens, it turns out, is an alien from a different political structure. So uh, they're all... The yeah, Daleks... one guy has uh, wacky little things hanging off his face. Another one's face completely covered. Another one is in a little space helmet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, so, so the Daleks aren't just allying with one other alien culture they're lying with six or seven of them so, yep yeah. and the daleks want to begin discussions but one of the alien representatives refuses because there's a hostile presence near they won't start until the humans have been taken care of so for some reason two humans running around on the planet <laughs> keeps them from <laughs> doing all this the supreme dalek assures them the humans will be exterminated 
And this makes all the aliens very happy. They're sort of hopping around oh, and yeah, high-fiving. Yeah, yeah they're, your, uh, they're your standard issue, hand-rubbing, gloating, evil aliens. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and so with this promise, everyone signs on. And the Supreme Dalek announces that the seven great powers of the outer galaxies are now one. <laughs> and that main kind of alien representative says, this is the greatest war force ever assembled and victory is assured. Mars, Venus, the moon colony. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny to me when you said the moon colony, because, you know, there's a lot of moons in our solar system. And some of them are, you know, more interesting and significant than Earth's moon. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and the Dalek announces the first victim will be earth yeah now maybe the moon colony is just more built up because it's close to earth maybe it's yeah. like the uh the hilton of the universe or something <laughs> could but, be or, yeah. or excuse me the hilton of the solar system <laughs> <laughs> yeah. want to be correct about the terms but the guy i should mention the one alien who doesn't have some kind of at least partial face covering who does all the talking for the grand alliance the actor who did him, I thought, did pretty good. He uh, he puts a lot of uh, enthusiasm into his yeah. delivery. This is indeed a historic moment in the history of the universe. We six from the outer galaxies, joining with the power from the solar system, the Daleks. The seven of us represent the greatest war force ever assembled. Conquest is assured Mars, Venus, Jupiter, the moon colonies. The makeup wasn't bad either. I mean, it was a uh, Doctor Who style makeup, but it, it works. It's authentic yeah. to the show. And he's sort of overacting, but I'm sure that it's in the spirit of the, the original. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in the jungle, the captain is getting woozy from having been touched by the thorn. And his hand is all hairy, and we know how that happens. <laughs> <laughs> and Corey so tells from him, the Viagra thorns. <laughs> actually, yeah. <laughs> Corey tells him he overheard the plans um, of the dollars over a loudspeaker. So apparently, they were broadcasting this meeting across the planet through loudspeakers. It makes no sense to me. I mean, again, this is the laziness of Terry Nation. He had to have some way. <laughs> That they could know what happened. So he just said, well, there was a loudspeaker. <laughs> and he says the entire galaxy is to be invaded and destroyed. They've got to get the capsule with the recording up ASAP. And while Corey is examining the capsule, the captain is breaking down and starts repeating kill. And Corey immediately realizes what happened. The captain approaches him. Corey turns and shoots him without a second thought. <laughs> He then records a message about the Dalek plan. This is Mark Coy, Special Security Service reporting from the planet Kembo. The Daleks are planning the complete destruction of our galaxy. Together with the forces of the outer galaxies, a war force is being assembled. And as he does so, the Daleks approach. One Dalek wants to take the humans in for questioning. The other insists they must exterminate because that was their orders. As Corey finishes his message, a Dalek appears behind him. Then he's surrounded. They shoot. He's killed with the recording in his hand. And one of the Daleks says, our plans for galactic conquest are safe. Whatever information he had has died with him. And we see a final shot of the recorder sitting there. And it kind of makes me wonder if maybe someone's going to find it. Yeah, that would seem to be, you know, and obviously if you're, 
if you're watching the show back at the time it was broadcast, the natural conclusion is that's how the doctor and the crew are going to get involved. They're going to be the ones who ends up finding it. Cause, cause we know from the previous episode right now, they're hovering somewhere near the planet, looking at it and wondering what's going on there. Right. Back at the Dalek ship, the aliens are ready to go. Now that the humans are dead, so it's time to conquer Earth. <laughs> and it's the end of the episode. Yeah, it was a sing- single episode. Well, you know, I mean, you said already you enjoyed it, but overall, what did you think? The work that the people did to reconstruct it was very good. I was very happy with it overall. I I would commend them for it. I'd like to see them do other similar sure. things. That said, if they only ever got a chance to reconstruct one episode, this was not really one of the uh, killer <laughs> apps of Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's uh, yeah, not much really. Not much really goes on in it. <laughs> I mean, you do have the whole huge alliance, which is an interesting and provocative thing. So, and it sounds like we find out more about this in the whole arc of stories later. So maybe, uh, maybe it's worth, uh, worth waiting to see what happens in the future. Right. But, uh, um, by itself, it's, uh, as- aside from the introduction of this you know, League of Doom or whatever you want to call them. Uh, aside from that, it's kind of a pretty, pretty bland episode, all in all, I'd say. Well, I will give it this credit. I mean, it's bleak and everybody dies, right? So no, you, no. You, ex- you expect some kind of heroic action or he at least, you know, dies in the process of getting the message out, right, or something. Right. But no- <laughs> yeah. nothing, nothing works they die there is no point to any of it and i kind of like that it's it's a little different yeah yeah very very british <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh definitely a filler definitely you know some laziness from Terry nation but at least they didn't have the city in the distance that they were going towards. You know? <laughs> uh, and they didn't have any doors that anyone fell through <laughs> So, you know, not all of Terrigationisms. Yeah. But no, it was, it was fun. And I, uh, I really did admire the work they did in capturing the feel of one of these 1960s Doctor Who episodes. They, they, they even took the trouble, like with the, uh, instrumentation in the spaceship, it all looks very authentically 1960s ish. (laughs) Right. And they had little bits like. They credited uh, William Hartnell in the end credits, you know, as Dr. Who, even though he wasn't in the show. And you can imagine that would have been probably a contractual requirement at the time, uh-huh. right? That the main character be in it listed. <laughs> so that was fun. So, yeah, I mean, from my perspective, it is worth watching to see the effort that these people did and what they could accomplish. You know, it's just kind of enjoyable to see that. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it is fun to see the, the forging of this giant dark alliance, I guess. Although, yeah. although hopefully this, that'll go somewhere, but you never know. Maybe that'll just drop out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's hard to say. I mean, if this if this turns out to be the the lead episode of a a really uh, really fantastic story arc, then maybe this would be worth watching just by virtue of being the the kickoff. 
but in itself, it's not terribly spectacular. I would say it's worth watching just for, just for the effort that they took in rebuilding it. You know, they did a, did a great job, I think. But by itself, it's not one of the more stellar episodes of Doctor Who, yeah. I would say. Okay, well, join us next week for our first actual reconstruction, The Myth Makers. Mm-hmm. <laughs>